Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 John. Now be praying for me. I, I think I know where I'm going, and y'all probably already know where I'm going if God continues to lead uh, next week as we continue in our study through the book of the small books of the New Testament. Uh, but be in prayer for me as uh, I seek God's will for that. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Now in my notes... It says last week, but y'all know that's not true because we weren't here last week. It says two weeks ago now, two weeks ago in our study, we heard John, uh, as his letter was coming to an end, making a compelling argument concerning the sureness of God's testimony. John reminded his readers and believers today that Jesus is the Son of God through three witnesses that bear testimony of Jesus, the water, the blood, And the Holy Spirit all testify to the world that Jesus was, is, and will ever be the one and only true Son of God. That man is without excuse for not accepting Jesus, and Christians today are are without excuse for not serving him. Tonight, we are going to bring the book of 1 John to an end. So let's read 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 14. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to, and please, please underline this, his will. Now, this is is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know what he hears Whenever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for from him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that does not bring death, he should ask, and God will give life to him. To those who commit sin that don't bring death, there, there is sin that, that brings death. I'm not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is sin that does not bring death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin. But the one who is born of God keeps him. And the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God. And the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given understanding so that we may may know uh, the, the true one. We are in the true one, that is, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Let's pray. God, again, we come to you tonight asking forgiveness of our sins, asking us to forgive you where we fail you. Be with us now during this short time that we have together as we open your word. Lord, help us to see ourselves, help us to see this scripture in its fullness, Lord, that we might be of use for you. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, amen. I, I want to say, listen, I, I hope this isn't a distraction. I have my phone up here. Amy is driving back by herself from Rock Hill, uh, and her the underpinning of her car, it's a Prius, y'all, but it's got like a, uh, you know how Jeeps have the, the brush shield underneath it? You know, the, the plastic underline? You know? As she was driving to Rock Hill, it flapped and was 
scraping and scrubbing, and she had to pull off. This is funny. This has nothing to do, but y'all enjoy this. This is extra. Y'all are getting extra for your money tonight. So she pulls off to Walmart going up there, and she calls me in Columbia, Angie, and like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, you've got two options. You can get under there and pull it down because it's, you know, it's just, it's not necessary. Just pull it down, throw it in the back. I'll put it up back when you get back. Or you can find somebody, pull into a gas station, and see if you can find somebody to help you. So she pulls in, and boy, I hope she's not listening. <laughs> she pulls in, and there's a Latino man. She said he was from Cuba, uh, offered to help her. She went in, and she bought some duct tape. And she was going to duct tape it. Jeff, you know the clearance between the ground and a Prius, right? <laughs> you got to jack that dude up to change the hole. But, but she, she and, and this guy walks up and he starts helping her. And she was like, thank you so much, thank you so much. And he said, can I have your number? Can I have your number? And she was like, I, I'm married. He says, can I call you? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But she, she got it duct taped up, and uh, her daddy looked at it before she left. But it's paid for this month. <laughs> all right, all right. What do we see in our scripture tonight? Back to our scripture. But anyway, that's why the phone's here. So I'm, I'm just, just in case she needs me. Uh, what does our scripture say tonight? The first topic we see John addressing is that of prayer. He says, now this is the confidence we have before him. And it, it, we should have confidence in our prayer life. Amen? We, we should know that God desires to answer our prayer. Now, somebody right now is probably saying, well, hold on a second. There's many prayers that I've prayed that, that I don't feel like God has answered. Well, stop because your prayer time and your prayer line and God's prayer line are totally different. His time and your time are totally different. Don't ever say that God has not answered your prayer. We can't say that. We really can't. Because even prayers of our mothers and our fathers are still being pressed upon us, even if our moms and dads have, have, have left this world. My grandmother, she prayed for me for years, years. And it took years for those prayers to come into effect. But he says, have confidence, and we should have confidence before him. Whatever we ask, now, there are two words that I want us to focus on in this opening verse. The first word is confidence. Confidence. We, we as believers through the Holy Spirit should have confidence that our prayers, first of all, are being heard. It, it's an unbelievable, it, it's probably one of the most miraculous things, even more miraculous than anything that Christ did while, his, while he was on this earth, that when any believer it doesn't, you don't have to kneel. You don't have to get on your face. I know some people say, listen, I feel like I, I have the power of God when I'm laying stretched out in you know, humility before him. And I've done that before, and I, I understand that. We don't have to lay in humility. But when we as believers say, Lord Jesus, you're in the presence of God. When you call upon him in prayer, you are in the presence of God. And that's an unbelievable thing. It's an un, it's, it's something I can't truly explain. But we have a direct connection with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He never takes vacations. He never takes time off. And we have that. Well, Brother Kyle, why are you, I mean, you're, you're beating this. Yeah, I am. I want you to understand. We should have confidence in our prayer. 
The second thing I want you to see, the second word that I want you to see in this emphasis is whenever. Whenever. Whenever you pray. I've heard preachers say, listen, you, you ought to be in prayer. I had a, a professor in, <clears throat> in college that he told me, he said, he told our class many times, he said, you, if you're preparing a message, you ought to be praying three times as long as you are your message length. So if you've got a 45-minute message, you ought to be praying for at least two and a half hours over that message. Brother Kyle, do you do that? I, I have, but I mean, I, Scripture says whenever you pray. Whenever you pray. We ought to have a prayer life. We ought to have a vibrant prayer life. I, I'm, I'm like what that, that great preacher said years ago. He says, there's very few times that I've, I've spent hours in prayer. But there's very few hours that they've gone by that I haven't spent some time in prayer. Amen? That's, that's where we ought to be. John goes on to say, whenever we ask anything, and I told y'all to underline this, whenever you ask anything, say it with me. In his will. In his will. This is extremely important. Uh, wording that we need to underline and pay close attention to at all times. Why, Brother Kyle, why, why do we need to underline in his will? Because God does honor our prayers when, we are, when they're in accordance to his will. We need to understand the wording for, for another reason. The health, wealth, and prosperity religion seem to take the words in his will out of their scripture and create a theology that does not exist. Just pray for it. God will give it to you. Just, just pray for it. And they use it this way. If you are in God's will, God will give it to you. That's not what this scripture says. This scripture says that you are to pray in God's will. And he will hear your prayer and receive it. This cultish, theo cultish theology is very confusing to the lost world. And as I've told y'all in times past, there are people who drive by our church and sneer and throw their nose up because they believe that, you know, Baptists and, and Charismatics are just, you know, one in the same glove. And, and we, we're, we're in here telling people to, you know, throw money in the offering plate or, or, and we'll give you a, a, a cloth that's been prayed over by me that's got my tears in it and it'll miraculously hear you, heal you and, and you, can, you can ask for anything and you'll be given it. Brother Kyle, that sounds crazy. I know it does, but I promise you there are people who drive by this church and feel that way about us. W why is that? Because of this cultish theology. We need to understand the wording and apply it. And when people question us about it, we need to be able to answer these questions. Amen? So, what are some things we could ask God for in prayer that are in accordance to his will for our lives? I mean, I told you that we need to pray in accordance to the will of God. Amen? Lord, Amy's cars, man, man it's, it's, it's six years old. And that underpinning's falling off, and she's got a cracked windshield that she just refuses. She wants to buy a pocketbook instead of fix that windshield. God, could you let my mother win the lottery? Because I know she'll give me money. And we'll just give that car to some needy family, and we'll buy us a new one. Amen. I mean, I dressed it up, Stan, didn't I? 
I mean, I, you know, I, I, after all, Dan, I'm going to give the car to a needy family, right? Yeah, as long as God lets my mom win the lottery, right? Is, hey, Colin, is that a prayer in God's will? But you know, there, I guarantee, listen, I promise you, I promise, I, pro, I promise you, there is somebody in the city of Savannah, in Chatham County, in this area, who went to Ashley's sometime, I don't even know when, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and they bought a Powerball and a Mega Millions and a Pick 2, Pick 3, Pick 5, Pick 7, and a scratch-off, and they walked out of that Ashley's, and they sat in the front seat of that car, and they, you know what they did? They prayed. They prayed. Lord God, if I win, and, and the numbers came out. When did the numbers come out? When the numbers came out and they lost, they're mad at God. You know why? And because they didn't get their numbers, that means that God did what? He didn't answer their prayers. That's exactly right. They're, they're mad with God. So what is it that we can pray? This scripture's there, and if the scripture's here, Miss Barbara, it's true. It's the Word of God. How, what, what are some things that we can pray that are in his will? Here we go. Lord, please give me courage. That's good, isn't it? We need some courage from time to time. Lord, please, Lord, you, Lord, Lord God, you know what I'm getting ready to face this week. I know what I'm getting ready to face this week. I need some courage. I need some courage to say the right things, things that, that will edify you. God, shut old Kyle up. Kyle, he's trying to get out. Shut him up and let the Christian Kyle talk. So we need to pray for courage. We can pray for courage. We can pay for compassion, boldness, bold bird, a burden for the lost. Look, is there anybody in here who doesn't need more of a burden for the lost? You do know that we're in the minority in, in Savannah, right? Christians are in the minority in Savannah. In the state, in the nation, in the world. We're, we're in the minority. There's, there's less of us than there are of lost. If, if Christ were to rapture the church right now, about 6.75 billion people would be left behind. And according to Scripture, the first three seals, a quarter of them would be wiped out. We need a burden for the lost. Amen? Do you think God would, would just respect that and honor that if you prayed? Lord, give me a burden for the lost. Here's another one. The ability to give my testimony clearly. The opportunity to serve you more, Lord. Please give me the opportunity to serve you more. To love you in a greater way. To, to feel your presence. God, I want to feel your presence. That's in God's will. Here's one of my favorites. Lord, help me to love my spouse with all my heart, to love her the way you love her, the way you love the church. Is, is that in God's will? Yeah, it is. These are all examples of praying in the will of God, asking God for a new house or a car or a job with, with better benefits, most likely is not in the will of God. Is there anything wrong with that? No. No. But it's not in the will of God. You know what's in the will of God? 
You manage, y'all pay attention, young people. This is the will of God for you to manage the money that you have, what you've been given. If God wants to give you more, he's going to give you more. If you're worthy of it, he'll give you more. Listen, learn to live on what God has given you and be happy with it at all times. Brother Kyle, I I don't have as much as so-and-so. Well, I mean, you might one day. I remember those days when I was eating Roma noodles and I was going to the grocery store with $30 in my pocket. Really? God will bless you. Just be patient. Our scripture tonight tells us that when we pray a prayer in God's will, that he hears our prayer and grants our wishes. Now understand this. Those prayers are, those prayers that, that, that are in God's will that he grants are not to further our cause, but for the will and the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I need to insert here, as I do in many times, that this life is not about us. It's not. It's not about us. It never has been. John's readers needed to understand this concept about prayer as much as we need to hear it ourselves today. We need to write that on our, bedroom, our bathroom mirrors in the morning as we're getting ready. This life is not about us. It's not. We get tied up and, and caught up in life too, too often, but it's not about us. Now, we need to take a close look at verse 16 and 17 is they may cause some confusion even in the life of believers. Look at verse 16. Verse 16, and let me find it, says this. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not bring death, he should ask and God will give life to him, to those who commit the sin that doesn't bring death. There is sin that brings death. I'm not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin that does not bring death. Now, the easy concept we receive from these verses is that we should be compelled to pray for those who have sinned. Anybody in here know somebody who sinned? Oh, yeah. Now, it's easier for us to see our acquaintances and people who rely and, you know, come to us. And they know that we're Christians. And they'll come and say, can you pray for me? I've got a struggle. I'm struggling with this. And 100% out of 100% times, I mean, their struggle is most likely, it's sin. That's all it is. And we can pray for them concerning their sin. Now, it does not. Understand, church, it does not tell us to confront them in their sin. It does not. That's what Christians a lot of times do, don't we? I have a family member, you're going to hell. I mean, really, you need to put that beer down, you're going to hell. I've heard that come out of his mouth. That lifestyle you're living, you're going to hell. Our scripture tonight does not tell us to confront them in their sin. It tells us to pray that they will return to the will of God. Now understand that there are those who God will will use to confront them in their sin. Now think with me here for a second. Has there ever been anybody in your life and they are living in a sinful condition? 
and you confront them. God will allow some people to confront. Who are they? Parents or relatives? Or God may compel someone through the leading of the Holy Spirit. But you better make sure that it's truly the Holy Spirit that's leading you. Because if you just want to confront somebody in their sin, they're going to knock your head off. They really are. And they're not going to listen to anything you have to say. And you've just lost somebody for the rest of your life. You'll never have any influence or any, any contribution in their lives ever again. Now the Holy Spirit will also confront a believer who is in sin. Please do not call me to confront family members in their sin. That's happened. Brother Kyle, I'm having problems with my husband. He won't listen to me. He doesn't do anything. He does this and this. He's just, he's a horrible, he's, it's horrible, horrible. I mean, y'all, I listen, and it wasn't in this church, but every time I saw this person, all I heard her say was she would get her husband down the road, get her husband, it just, it was horrible. Well, her husband was a church member too. Now, some of y'all have heard me say this story. I think I told this story on Wednesday night one time. So the lady's birthday came up, and I, I, this is funny but scary in the same breath. Th this lady was very emotional. She was, I mean, she was bipolar big time. Do you know what the husband bought the wife for her birthday? A brand-new 9-millimeter, <laughs> I'm thinking, Dude, she's either going to shoot you or shoot herself. But we're, we're not to confront people in their sin. We're to pray for them. We're not to confront them unless the Holy Spirit of God tells you to confront them. Now, let me tell you, I, I've, I've told this story as well before. Uh, there has been a time since I've been in the ministry where there was a youth in between high school and college age. I believe she wasn't in college, but she was like she should have been two years in college or two years after high school, okay? So I, I'm driving to my house. And as I'm driving to my house, I, I'm just driving. I'm, I'm, Desi, I'm minding my own business, really. I'm just, I, I don't know what I'm listening to, but I know I'm listening to something on the radio. Uh, and I look up and I see this young girl. She's in the car in front of me. Jeff, she don't see me, but I see her. We driving down, and she whips into the hotels. She lives, she, she lives in this town. She don't need to go to a hotel. Why is she going to the hotel? Right? She's a church member. Whips in the hotel. So I circle back around. I wait a little bit, Angie. I ain't going to confront the person when I get out of the car. You know what I'm talking about? But I went back around. And I look, and her car's parked right beside her boyfriend's car at the hotel. Now, y'all know they ain't going in there and watching movies. They're not playing checkers. Right? So, Brother Kyle, I mean, what, what, what did you do? Well, I started praying right then. And I went home. Y'all seen that meme on Facebook of this man? He's out there cutting his grass, and there's police cars and fire and ambulances all over, and houses, two houses. I mean, they're burning down. They are, they are, there's no way, there's nothing that's going to put these fires out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And the caption says, y'all know what this man's doing? 
minding his own business. He's out there cutting grass. I mean, everybody's like, man, he's out there. He don't care. He's, and there, there's another one where this man's talking on the phone, and there's another guy behind him, and he's totally on fire, and he walks in front of him. It says, you know what this man's doing? Minding his own business. Y'all, I, I got in my car, and I, I mean, I, well, I never got out of my car. I just drove off minding my own business. Well, I got to church, and Holy Spirit wouldn't let me shake that. I tried to shake it. Miss Desi, I tried to mind my own business. And I, I think, Gary, I even told the Holy Spirit, I'm minding my own business. This ain't my business. I was that age one time, too. He wouldn't let me leave it. A couple Sundays went by, and the girl came to the church and greeted me like she always does, like everybody does, you know, wants to love on the preacher. And I, I loved on her, and I pulled her off to the side. I said, I want to tell you something. She said, what? I said, what would your daddy have thought? What would your mama have thought if she would have been behind you two weeks ago Thursday and watched you pull into the parking lot of a hotel beside your boyfriend's parking lot, beside your boyfriend's car? I said, what do you think God thought? I said, I love you. I said, you know better. You know better. Church, that is the one and only time that God has ever told me to confront somebody. One and only time. Did it destroy the relationship? Thank God, no. I mean, I, I, I still hear from that person from time to time. Uh, but please understand, God does not call us to confront. Do you hear me? He, he tells us to pray, to pray for those who are in these situations. Uh, we now come to what is a little confusing. The part of verse 16 that talks about the sin unto death. Did y'all see that? The sin unto death. What is this sin unto death? A word that we need to see in verse 16 is brother. Look at verse 16 again. Look at verse 16. It says, if anyone sees his brother, brother, is the lost person who lives across the street from us our brother? No. This word lets us know that a Christian has the ability to commit this sin unto death and not a lost person. Not a lost person. So what is it, this sin unto death? Pastor and evangelist Dr. J. Harold Smith says this, I believe the sin unto death is to backslide, and after God has made many efforts to get you back, back on track and back to Him, and you continually refuse, He signs your death warrant. Now understand, Harold says, understand me please. I am not referring here to your salvation and eternal life. I am speaking of your physical life and your physical death. When God tries to get your attention, you better pay attention. There is a sin unto death. We see in verse 17 that John tells his readers that all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin that does not bring death. Unrighteousness, church, is to know what is right and to choose what is wrong. How, how can we know what is right 
and what is wrong from the Word of God. Well, I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. Well, it's because you don't want to read. And if, like I said this morning, if you don't know what's right and you don't know what's wrong, you're not saved because the Holy Spirit of God's not living in you. Now, we now come to a verse that to some seems to contradict other scriptures in the Bible. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin. John himself wrote, if a man says he's without sin, he's a, a liar, right? I mean, it seems to contradict what he has written. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. John Philip says this about the, this, this, this scripture, this verse. The word used for sin here in verse 18 is in the present continuous tense, referring to the continuous course of sin. We know, however, a constant pattern of bad behavior is incompatible with new birth. Do you hear me? Let me say that again. A constant pattern of bad behavior is incompatible with new birth. True, a believer may fall, may backslide, may even grieve the Holy Spirit of God. But that believer is unhappy in that condition and hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Kind of like what we talked about this morning, isn't it? You as a believer ought to hunger and thirst after the things of God. You should never be full. Your cup should never be full. You should constantly be wanting more and more of the righteousness of God. When we die, when we step foot in heaven, do you know what we're going to experience? The fullness of the righteousness of God. We're, 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 we're gradually becoming what we're ultimately going to become. That should be what we're seeking. That should be what we're desiring every single day. John then gives his readers, real quickly, three more definitives. He says, we know that we are of God. He tells the believers that. Now remember, these believers stand there. They're, they're getting ready to throw, you know, they're... they're indecisive they're everything that's going on around them kind of like what's going on around us today they've confessed Jesus as Lord but they're ready to walk away because they they don't they're not sure whether they want to face all the penalties of being a Christian they're, they're scared they're worried they're they're upset they're agitated and he says listen we should know that we are of God we should know well how, how can you know that you're of God how can you know because the Holy Spirit won't let you go. The Holy Spirit will not let you go. When Amy and I first started dating, about three or four months into it, I tried to break up with her. I'll be honest with you, I'll tell you why. I mean, I, I, I had never dated a girl that long, ever, 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 ever. I lived next door to... to to guys that worked downtown Charlotte, four guys who lived downtown Charlotte, and there was a party at their house every single weekend. I mean, a house on the water, ski boats, uh, volleyball up out in the front yard. Uh, it, it was a party every single weekend, every weekend. And Jeff, it wasn't guys. They were bringing the girls too. And this, you know, this 18-year-old boy, I'm just like, 
it's been fun. It's been nice. We've been dating for four, four months. We need to break up. Y'all know what she said, don't you? You're not breaking up with me. God, she, she told me, she said, you're not breaking up with me. I didn't know that this was an eye. Now, this is it. This is it. I'm going after the older women. You're not breaking up with me. She wouldn't let me go. She, would, she refused to let me go. And after arguing with me for, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes, I was like, okay, we'll give it another shot. She won. Oh, I did too, big time, big time. What are you saying? She would not let me go. She, she would not. That, that's what the Holy Spirit does. When you start going in the wrong direction, the Holy Spirit grabs you and says, oh, oh, no, no, no. The price that was paid for your sorry soul was too high. I'm not letting you go. You're not doing this. You're not going, you're not going down that road again. I'm not letting you go. That was a pretty good analogy, wasn't it, Bill? You can use that with youth later on. There's, you know, the Holy Spirit won't let you go. So we should know that we're of God. Number two, he says, the whole world is under the sway of the evil one, Satan. I don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this, right, do I? <coughs> Church, something happened when I became pastor of Chevis Oaks Baptist Church. I believe it was the second year I was here. And I'm not going to tell you what it was. Gary, you and Bill and, and Steve and Dan, you know. Something major happened here. And from that major event that took place here, I started watching the world just spiral towards hell. I never in my life thought that it would speed up as fast as it has. And we would have progressed five, six, eight years to what we've progressed. But it's absolutely mind-blowing that what we're accepting, what Christians are accepting is right instead of wrong. It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Well, what are you saying, Brother Kyle? The whole world is under the sway of the evil one, Satan. He, he tells them that, and we need to understand that. Why? Because we don't need to make friends with the world. This is not our home. Thirdly, he says this, and you know that the Son of God has come Given us, giving us understanding. He is the true God and eternal life. Our lives ought to display that, church. John then finishes off his letter of encouragement in somewhat of an unusual way. Look at verse 21. He says, little children. That's an endearing. Y'all know that, right? He says, little children. Guard yourselves from idols. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Why would John encourage his readers to guard themselves from idols? Remember why he's writing this church? Y'all remember why he's writing this? I just told you a few minutes ago. There, there, there's some who are getting ready to walk away. They're discouraged. They're discouraged. John knows that if his readers walk away from the church, they'll fill their time with idols. That's one of the things that scares me about the empty seats in this church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. 
If you walk away from God, you're going to fill your mind with, with what should be of God. And that's idols. Church, we would do well to evaluate our lives to see which side of the equation we might be leaning towards. This letter is meant to encourage us as believers today to see our, ourselves in the light of this scripture. Are we standing true with this letter? Are we leaning towards the world? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come to you at the end of this message again, Lord, asking you to forgive us of our sins. Lord, as we head towards this time of invitation, help us to, to do as the Scripture begs us to do and to evaluate our lives to see where we are. Help us to strive after your righteousness and to seek you, Lord. In Jesus' name I do pray.